Los locos kick your ass. Los locos kick your face. Los locos kick your balls into outer space. Tweak the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Sensei. Get him a body bag, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macbassunas. How is everybody doing today? I'm doing great. It's Friday. It's the weekend. And for me, luckily, I have a three-day weekend, so I am super excited. Now, you're getting this episode on Friday because uh, I sent a note out to you guys letting you know that I was not recording on Tuesday just because... That Sunday, you had gotten a new episode just because I wanted to get that double feature out to you really bad because, you know, it was the one-year anniversary to the birth of Soup Delay Podcast. So I figured I'd just give it a couple of days, give you guys a chance to watch Short Circuit 2, send in some emails, and then we could talk this movie. And uh, and here we go. Now, here's the thing. Next week, um, I am not going to be recording. Uh, the next episode, which is the episode 49 which is the episode prior to the big 50 uh, which as you know is going to be the kung fu kid you know aka the karate kid remake i'm finally going to watch that movie now don't expect me to love it i'm planning on trash in that film no i'm just kidding i'll definitely watch it with an open mind but that's not coming next week next week i got some things that i need to take care of personally that uh podcasting is not going to be part of that plan next week but the following week sweep delay podcast will return and talk some karate kit and then hopefully for the live episode i will give you all the details on the live episode when i release the karate kid episode 49 i'll tell you where to go when it's going to be and in fact if i'm even going to do the live episode just because i've never done one before uh it's pretty hard hard to do and, and as you guys know it's uh you know it's kind of hard to get everybody together but here's the good news uh andrew more than likely will be making a live show uh andrew as you guys know he hasn't been on the past couple episodes we've talked recently uh with him starting the new job he actually uh wasn't getting paid so he's had to work overtime and because you know when you start a job you don't get the first week's pay so they wait they make you wait the two weeks and so he's trying to work overtime to help pay some bills so he's saying about another month month and a half things should become more stable and he should hopefully be able to come on the show but as you know sweep delay podcast is all about the show must go on because from the beginning i've always mentioned that i would always release an episode every week if at all possible and that is what the continued plan is to be in 2012 so i'm very excited and uh he's excited to get back on but at the same time you know kind of like i talked about the last episode you know my life is very stable his unfortunately is not and he's just trying to make a future for himself which we can all respect that and uh podcasting is definitely uh it's definitely hard work it's not just get behind a mic and just start talking you know you got to make time for it and 
and all that fun stuff. And then if you're the actual maker of the episode, it goes into a lot of time to edit and all that other fun stuff. So uh, that's what I got. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys real quick before we got into movie and music news. Oh, also, there is one announcement that I want to make. This is the very last episode. Um, this is the last time that uh, you were ever going to hear this um, what, you thought I was talking about Sweep the Lake? No, I'm talking about the mic, silly. Come on now. This is the last time you're going to hear this piece of crap mic. Uh, I finally got my hands on an excellent mic. And here's what's funny. Uh, you know, you guys know uh, Jason and me work uh, pretty close together, especially when it comes to podcasting. And uh, I talked to him. I was like, hey, look, I got these two mics that I have in my financial set and also what I'm really looking into buying for the podcast and I said which one do you think which one do you like better and the one I had my eye on coincidentally is the exact same mic that he has and I was like that is just so weird so the sound quality that you guys are used to hearing on film and focus and flicks and uh, show me to Winston. You are officially going to be hearing that sound quality on Sweep Delay Podcast. Uh, I bought the mic. It is being shipped to me. I should have it sometime next week. So when I come back for episode 49 to talk the Kung Fu Kid, you will hear the new and improved sound quality of Sweep Delay. So no more hissing, no more popping, no more funky noises. It's just going to be awesome quality. And the cool thing with this mic is, is if I ever wanted to have you know, somebody locally that I live around come on the show, I could easily do that because the microphone isn't just only one person can talk into it. Multiple people can talk into it. So I am super excited. So this is the end of the crappy mic era and the beginning of the awesome mic era. So I'm super excited. So that's what I got, guys, for all the updates. Let's go ahead and get into movie and music news. So for movie and music news uh, this week, now I just released the episode Sunday, so I won't really have a whole lot this time around, but the next time I come back for The Karate Kid, uh, I'll have more because, you know, I'll essentially have uh, one week where I haven't talked anything, but the only big news that I can really think and and know of is Transformers 4. Now you guys know on the Facebook page I I posted that Transformers 4 is officially going to happen, be coming out in 2014, however, 
Michael Bay wants to make another movie first, and he wants to make it with Dwayne Johnson and Mark Wahlberg. Now, here's the thing. You guys know I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but I am worried in regards to this film. Number one, Michael Bay seems to have a very bad reputation, and so does Mark Wahlberg. And, you know, essentially, Dwayne had a little, you know, the kids' films were good at first, you know, the game plan and stuff like that, but once it started to get too heavy, crazy, and the family stuff, and then the Tooth Fairy, uh, then he had to rebuild his reputation, so now he's just been doing action films. I'm just afraid that the whole being in a movie with Michael Bay may tarnish uh, his reputation, so to speak, because I, I want him to keep a just keep his reputation going. I mean, Journey 2 is, uh, is killing at the box office, which is really, really great and really exciting just worried what this film may do to him so I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that you know this year uh, G.I. Joe works out great and uh, he has a new movie coming out called Snitch which uh, is going to be a pretty cool action uh, drama flick and I'm just hoping that when this comes out that uh, he won't be tarnished by Mark Wahlberg or Michael Bay we'll just kind of see how how that plays out so now, if you are a fan of I Am Legend with uh, Will Smith, they have officially announced today that they are moving forward with uh, more I Am Legends and Will Smith is expected to return. So we will find out for sure. Uh, you know, it's just the breaking story, so I don't have too much information on it. But we shall see uh, where where that goes. Because uh, I've actually got through the first half, not like I didn't like I Am Legend, but I've never been able to finish the film. So I really want to check it out just to see if I really like the film, and then also to see uh, if I would want to head, you know, if I'd want to, um, you know, check out any more sequels. So, and I was talking about. Um, with the Dwayne Johnson film. Uh, the name of the film is going to be called Pain and Gain, and it also Ed Harris is attached as well to the film, which uh, I forgot to mention. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see where that goes. So, pretty much, um, oh, and Ghost Rider. Uh, I was wondering if anybody out there is planning on seeing that film. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like it, but I am interested to, he uh, to hear about this because I guess they're going to be doing some changes and originally I thought it was going to be an R-rated film, but it never actually uh, never actually happened. So if anybody goes and see it, please let me know what you think of the film. I'd love to hear it. So music news. Um, we had the Grammys. Um, pretty interesting in regards to, um, you know, who won, but mostly all anybody ever talked about was what somebody was wearing and, and things like that. But Whitney Houston did get a pretty great uh, memorial which was uh, which was pretty awesome so uh, other interesting music news that I have uh, Billboard is actually going to have um, a, kind of like a, a Remember Whitney uh, cover on uh, the newest magazine coming up so uh, if you definitely are a Whitney Houston fan you want to go ahead and pick up the newest uh, issue of Billboard magazine because it's got Whitney on the cover she looks very nice and looks like it's going to be uh, a pretty good tribute so I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to pick that up and just kind of see what Billboard magazine uh, has to say so um, the only oh and then also her funeral is set to be aired live so I'm not sure if anybody would want to check that out or not I'm not you know anytime they, they do funerals live for a celebrity I never check it out but I know other people actually have um, 
desires to check that out. So that's just some news for you. If that was something you were wondering, they are actually planning on doing that. So, and then Madonna actually scored uh, a record extending 38th Hot 100 Top 10. Um, her latest single, Give Me All Your Lovin', it, uh, it helped to do that record extending 38th hit. So, I mean, she's been around for a long time, so uh, it's pretty cool to see um, that uh, she's kicking butt. And then Beach Boys. Uh, I know there's some people that still like the Beach Boys. They are planning on doing a reunion. It's a 37-day tour. Uh, they've officially announced it. So uh, if you want, you can check out Billboard.com. Just type in Beach Boys, and they should have the tour dates there as well. So um, that's what I got for movie music news. Let's get into TV news. You have too much TV. That's what my mother tells me. Alright, so in TV news, um, Revenge this week was pretty flippin' awesome. If you have been watching the show, they finally did the reveal of uh, what happened in the first episode. See, Revenge has taken place completely in the past. They aired the first, uh, you know, like 10 minutes and then they went back in the past six months. So this past week, we finally got to find out uh, who the dead body was on the beach. And uh, it is pretty awesome and exciting. I, I really like the twist that happened at the end, even though I thought I called it, I was off. And uh, it was pretty cool. I'm pretty excited to see where the rest of the season goes. They uh, actually called in Courtney V. Vance to be, um, you know, from Law & Order Criminal Intent. He is actually going to be, uh, surprisingly, he's going to be a lawyer on Revenge, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then also American Idol. I'll tell you, this is the first time that, um, you know, I've watched it for about a good six years now. I've never missed an episode. This was the first time that I ever missed an episode. Uh, one thing is, it's Ghost Hunters, which my wife loves. Uh, Grant is officially leaving that show. He's been on Ghost Hunters for quite a long time. So she wanted to see that to find out what the announcement was, which she figured it was that. And then also a Revenge was on right after that. But, you know, we, we American Idol this year is just not, nobody is really sticking out to me. And one article I read is how Hollywood Week used to be so exciting. And this year, they let everybody go through. Uh, Hollywood Week so far has not been entertaining, not been fun. It's not been a nail-biting who's going to make it. I mean, I think there's only one person that I could think of that I like, and everybody else is just kind of like, oh, if I see him on screen, yeah, I kind of remember him, but nobody sticks out for me. You know, usually every year somebody will walk into the auditions and I say that person's going to make it to the top three, and hands down, nine times out of ten, I've always been right. When Carrie Underwood walked in, I knew after I heard her, I said she's going to win American Idol. And then when I saw Lauren, I thought Lauren was going to win, but she lost to Scotty. This year, I'm like, I have no idea who's even going to come close to even being in the top 24. I guess tonight they have a top 46, and they got to wheel it down. So American Idol is getting kind of ridiculous, and I'm not sure if I'm going to keep watching it, which is kind of disappointing so I'm hoping things change and turn around so um, other than that um, other interesting TV stuff not really a whole lot has happened um, you know house um, did get canceled uh, I guess Grey's Anatomy is actually going to be doing a crossover episode which should be pretty interesting hopefully that'll keep the ratings going but uh, I didn't really know how it's got canceled but hey now I do so 
Um, other than that, uh, I kind of want to hear, guys, what you, what kind of TV shows do you like? What, uh, which ones are you hoping actually make it uh, next season? You know, this summer uh, we get Burn Notice, which Burn Notice is my like my second favorite show. I love that show, but it's a summer show because you know, once the warmer weather comes, nobody really wants to watch TV. So there's very really there's very rarely any shows on. So what are you hoping for? Uh, like the river, you know, I've heard some different things about the river. One person would say it's not scary, uh, just creepy. So are you wanting that show to to continue on? Because I heard it's kind of like Lost, but with a little twist. American Horror Story uh, got renewed, and then uh, The Walking Dead got renewed for season three. Uh, that's what I that's what I've officially heard so yeah what kind of shows do you like what shows are you looking forward to seeing next year which ones are you hoping get canceled that you think absolutely suck so write in to me on TV news uh, you know sweep delay podcast yahoo.com so that's what I got guys for movie music and TV news uh, let's get to the good stuff and uh, let's get to the review of short circuit 2 some say he's nuts. To the moon, Alice! Some say he's bolts. Muchas gracias. But everyone agrees he's America's most electric leading man. Lucy and Holmes! He's... The all-new Johnny Five. Just look at these items. Increased memory, 500 megabytes online. I come with a utility pack. Dozens of gadgets for outdoor living. Lots of green pea stickers and even my own Nike swoosh. Now he's back and haywired for laughs in his newest motion picture adventure, Short Circuit 2. Winners all the time. Keep your eye on the red card. Red card, get with me. Can't you bother me? So keep your eye on the current thing, Short Circuit 2. He locked you up? He did not smash, crush, dent, mangle you? No, he just wanted us out of the way. Sure. Kidnap the humans. Destroy the machine.
I am really pissed off. All right, Short Circuit 2. Man, am I excited to talk this film. And it's funny, a lot of people hate this film. It's actually considered to be one of the worst sequels in film history. And you know what? Uh, after watching this movie for the review, uh, I can honestly say that I love this film, uh, if not as much, possibly more, than I did the last time I saw it, which was many, many years ago. I love this film, and I will stick up for this film. And a lot of your emails that I've gotten uh, say the same thing as well. This movie is great. Uh, the film came out in uh, 1988. Uh, Short Circuit originally came out in 1986. Now, this film is actually 10 minutes longer than the original. Now, Fisher Stevens is the uh, is the main guy. So we have no Ali Sheedy, no Steve Gutenberg. Which funny is his name is different in this movie. Uh, his first name is still Ben, but originally it was like Jabatua and he changed it to uh, Javari in this film. So they don't go into it, but it's probably because he's trying to be an American citizen in this film. And a lot of people have complained, well, how could he not be an American citizen? How could he work for the government, you know, and get away with it? But you know what? There's so much politics to that kind of stuff that I'm sure it could possibly happen where you would have a robotics engineer not actually being an American citizen and you know so that's a, that's another topic for another podcast I don't have a problem with it I just figured he changed his name because of the fact that he wants it to be shorter and I accept the fact he's not an American citizen because of the fact that he's pretty much you know he's lived a very sheltered life I would definitely say you know just based on Everything that happened in the first movie and this movie, you can definitely tell. Uh, it definitely feels that way. So let's get into the basic plot line of this film. So here we go. Benjamin, uh, he's moved to, you know, you could say it's New York City, but you could say it's Toronto, and then you could say it's L.A. I mean, they essentially filmed it in all three places. And they never specifically tell you what city they're in. Although one paper, if you look on the paper, it looks like L.A. And then another street will be from New York. So if you, you kind of got to give the film like it's there's some films that don't tell you the city that they're in. And this is the kind of film as well that doesn't tell you where they're at. So but let's just say for the most part. Let's just say that this is New York City. So Ben moves there and he's selling toy versions of Johnny Five on the street. Now there is this struggling department store buyer uh, named Sandy Banatoni and uh, played by Cynthia Gibb, which Cynthia Gibb, um, probably a very famous role she was in would be Young Blood with uh, Rob Lowe and um, Patrick Swayze which was kind of like a hockey movie. And uh, she was also in a Van Damme movie called Death Warrant. Jean-Claude Van Damme, that is. And uh, she's she's very cool in this film. I'll talk about it in a little bit. So she sees, um, she sees this Johnny Five because it actually has this really cool intro, which I'll talk about a little bit, makes her way to her office. So she wants to order about a 1,000 of these things. So Ben actually gets helped by his next-door neighbor, Fred, uh, played by awesome Michael McKeon, which Michael McKeon is in so much crap. But uh, Light of Day is one of my favorite films that he's in, which is a Michael J. Fox, Joan Jett film. Very dramatic, very sad movie, but he's flipping awesome in that. Michael McKean's in a lot of comedy roles, so um, he's definitely really good in this film. 
So uh, Fred actually borrows money from a loan shark to get the equipment needed to make these Johnny Five toys. So he hires some temporary workers off the street and he rents this warehouse to build the toys. But unfortunately what happens is, is this warehouse is actually a base of operations for a couple of thieves that are hired by this bank teller named Oscar, played by Jack Weston. The only other movie I've seen this guy in was Dirty Dancing, and uh, he's he's like the douchebag owner in, uh, in Dirty Dancing of the of the club, and he sings real terribly at the end of the film. Yeah, that guy. Anyways, uh, Oscar hires these uh, these guys to basically dig into a bank vault because what they want to do is they want to steal a set of jewels, which is known as the Vanderveer Collection. It's worth about thirty-seven million bucks. And the thieves try to scare off Ben and Fred by trashing their equipment and chasing away all the temp, uh, the temps that were working there. So that way it makes it impossible for them to meet the deadline and they'll get out of the building. So they continue, so that way they can continue to use the building to dig underground to get to the bank vault. So you got all that. That's why they need this building because it leads directly underground to the bank vault, but it's going to take them five days to dig to get to the vault but now that um now that ben is there along with fred that can't happen so that's why these guys trash all their stuff so a large crate arrives which of course is from stephanie and newton from their first film it has johnny five in it and uh they sent johnny five to help ben with his business so Johnny can actually build the toys really fast. So it gives Ben time to study for his U.S. citizen test that's going to be coming up soon. And, of course, Johnny, always thirsting for more input, he actually, Fred is warned to not let him know that he's in the city because he knows that he would go completely nuts if he knew that he was living in a major metropolitan. So Fred accidentally is stupid lets it slip that johnny's in the city so johnny five leaves the warehouse explores the city and makes friends with oscar himself and has a bunch of other crazy adventures which we'll get into in just a little bit so fred actually learns that johnny is really worth 11 million bucks so what does he do he tries to sell the robot to a few businessmen and Johnny learns that Fred plans to sell him, so he gets pissed off, he escapes, and he wanders throughout the city. Now, Johnny uh, soon realizes just how lonely he is because of uh, his inability to convince everybody that he's alive. So, um, Johnny, really sad movie, but you know we'll get into that in just a little bit. So, what happens is, is that Ben actually finds... Johnny Five at a police station due to uh, tearing up a bookstore and the two of them have this heart-to-heart conversation and Johnny actually encourages Ben to ask Sandy out on a proper date because Ben this whole time uh, is basically head over heels for Sandy but his tongue tiedness comes into play causing him to have all these issues. So the thieves, pressed for time, actually lock Ben and Fred up in this freezer in a Chinese restaurant. So Oscar, meanwhile, can persuade Johnny to help him finish the tunnel leading to the bank. Because, you know, Johnny trusts Oscar, which I'll get into in just a little bit. So Johnny completes the tunnel, breaks into the safe, unlocks the safety deposit box, which holds that collection. And then Johnny actually figures out Oscar's true intentions... 
but unfortunately it's too late and as he's being chased through the city he gets savagely attacked and severely damaged and almost killed. This essentially is the never-ending story. Um, I like to call it the never-ending story effect where when you see this movie as a kid you are emotionally scarred. When I saw the never-ending story as a kid I was emotionally scarred by the Moor or the, the Gamorg or however the hell they say it. The flippin' wolf, okay? That damn scary looking flippin' thing that I always thought was gonna come out of the TV. Same thing with this film. I'm emotionally scarred when they destroyed Johnny Five and it's flippin' heartbreaking and horrible. But I'll talk about that in a little bit. So even though Johnny manages to get away, he's leaking battery fluid and he's going to lose power in two hours. So essentially he's bleeding to death. So Ben and Fred manage to escape the freezer with Sandy's help, which is really cool. Um, I'll talk about that in a minute. But they return to the warehouse, find out that uh, you know Johnny Five isn't there. Ben and Sandy actually get captured by the police, mistaken as the robbers because uh, Fred was outside. He got away, and uh, he actually finds Johnny. And Fred takes Johnny, and you know he's startled by how messed up Johnny Five is. And he helps to patch him up enough to reconnect his main battery and his memory and just kind of help him long enough for him to do the remaining pairs himself. But it isn't until Johnny finds out that uh, Fred and Ben were locked up in the freezer that he becomes pissed off and just the fact that they were simply locked up and not attacked by Oscar's gang sets him off on this crazy... Uh, ending climax, which is flipping awesome. So Johnny's determined to bring Oscar and his gang to justice. So he chases um, he chases the guys through this the construction site, which is near the Hudson River. So Oscar's gang actually gets captured, but Oscar himself flees on this boat, which of course he has, you know, the the collection. So Johnny actually uses a crane to capture Oscar from the moving boat, and then. He'll get arrested and the diamonds are returned. But in the meantime, when Johnny gets done, he only has like a minute left. And Ben shows up at that time and Johnny flippin' dies. And then uh, they use the uh, uh, defibrillator. I can never say that flippin' word. You know the thing to get your heart going. In an effort to save Johnny, uh, Ben does actually succeed. You get a little electricity, kind of like how he was electrocuted in the beginning. And uh, it keeps him uh, keeps him going and he comes alive. So the cool thing is at the end, Johnny Five actually becomes a celebrity. His face is on the front page of newspapers, magazines, and uh, there's look-alike toys. They actually were able to get their own company. Ben becomes a United States citizen. And most of all, Johnny Five gets this really cool, blinged-out, gold-plated, newly restored look. And uh, he officially becomes a citizen. And uh, and the movie's over. It's flipping awesome. So there is a lot, a lot, a lot of great one-liners in this film. A lot of great scenes. And I am going to go through this puppy because it is some good stuff. And uh, And the bad stuff... I don't really have a whole lot of it. So let's start from the beginning. As I mentioned before, the movie is 10 minutes longer, which usually sequels, I 
they either try to be the same amount of time or a little bit less. Surprisingly, this one is actually over, which is cool. Now, right from the beginning, you can tell that when they first show Ben on the street, that his language, his English, I should say, is a lot better. Uh, he's not jumbling words up as bad as he was in the first one. His one-liners are still there, but he's not doing it as bad which is pretty cool so most of all the beginning really starts off really awesome with the small toy toy johnny five going through the department store as they're playing the credits and you got this real happy music playing it's got a really cool scene and how they did it i mean they must have took them a long time to film this scene just the way that the robot did everything and, and the places that it went was pretty flipping cool and i really really enjoyed it now one thing i really enjoy is is that toy robot is actually on top of this glass counter he's using his little fingers to uh hit the glass uh, the glasses, which uh, is really cool. It's it's really subtle, but it, it's a really cool effect. It's kind of like the toy kind of has a mind of its own almost, like Johnny, which is pretty cool. So Cynthia Gibbs, she is really cool. What I really like about this is the fact that she doesn't try to be Ali Sheedy. She doesn't try to replace her role. Um, she's just her own character, which is really cool. She is in a way naive of not realizing how much Ben likes her, but she becomes much more likable by the middle of the film. You know, the first, in the beginning, she's kind of like, she's kind of like an okay character, kind of like you could take her or leave her, but by the middle, when Ben is trying to express his interest in the whole music and then the rescue and the ending, very good. She becomes a very excellent character by the end of the film and not if she was the way she was in the beginning all the way through the film she definitely would be unlikable and it definitely would have hurt the film now there's one scene that i really like when uh, she's um, confronting ben to ask him you know can you make these toys uh she's like do you make these toys and fisher stevens says yes but he says yes not as ben but in like his regular voice and the way he said yes is the way he does it in my science project so i was immediately taken back to my science project during that yes and it was so cool and i really really enjoyed it because you know you guys know that i just love that character and uh, it was pretty cool other otherwise in that he is just he's been the whole entire film so frank now frank is definitely a douchebag but he's a redeeming douche uh by the end of the film his character um becomes very likable he's very unlikable in the very beginning of the film the middle of the film but by the end of the film he becomes very like uh redeeming in his character and even he calls out how much of a jerk and untrustworthy he was and uh and johnny five sees right through him even though he's a robot he flipping sees right through his uh, his douchiness I guess you could say. So Michael McKean definitely plays the role very awesome. Um, Frank is essentially, you know, he's a con guy. All he wants to do is make money. Doesn't really care about the kind of toes that he has to step over. But uh, as the movie progresses uh, he, he just gets to be really good and I really like him. So you find out that Ben changed his name and that's where all these arguments come from of how well how could he be uh, a U how could he not be a US citizen and work at the government and why are they not talking about why his last name is changed versus the way it was in the first one it's inconsistent but for me 
it works just because of the fact of you know you're from another country you have a very long name there's a lot of people that even who come from America who change their name you know there's one singer that I absolutely love uh, his original name was Kevin Smith but because the name was so common he legally changed his name to Kevin Max because his dad's name was Max he really enjoyed it and his nickname was always K Max so he legally changed his name to K to Kevin Max no one ever gave him any crap for it so it's okay for an American citizen to do it but because somebody from India is doing it you people give him crap for that so every time I ever heard that statement it always kind of pissed me off and for me I go with it I don't have any problem with it whatsoever now the chemistry starts really good in the beginning when uh, you know Frank is trying to take charge and sell the robots to you know to Sandy and uh, Ben always has these funny lines of saying again you were saying this we stuff sir uh, really really good stuff their chemistry right off the bat shows you how rocky it's gonna be that Ben is you know Ben's naive doesn't know how things work he knows he's a scam artist but at the same time he knows that Ben is very smart and he knows that he can only take advantage of him to a certain point if that makes sense so they show Frank getting the money from a loan shark and when Ben gets to the building for the first time he makes a comment how how great America is how you can go from working on the street to automatically going to a skyscraper and then Fred shatters his dreams and uh, and it was good stuff now um, the bad guys when they first show you the bad guys the ones that are uh, in the building and they're trying to dig to the bank I thought they were pretty cheesy especially the one guy that thinks he's all badass and stuff by like uh, where would you be huh 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 you know just the way he talks I thought he was very very cheesy I like the guy that's really smart I mean he wasn't too bad however uh, just the way that particular scene is he's definitely very cheesy and uh, they don't seem very threatening whatsoever uh, of course when they come in with the ski mask that's a little different just because I'm not actually seeing their face so at the same time not really coming off uh, you know they don't come off cheesy when they got masks on but that one that one guy he's definitely cheesy to me the other scientist guy he was really cheesy in that particular first scene you see him in but for the most part he tries to uh, you know stick up for Johnny Five and let him know how, how much great property uh, and intelligence Johnny Five really is so uh, what I really like is uh, when they come in and they trash the place and then the intro of Johnny Five was pretty flippin' cool. And when you see Johnny Five for the first time, uh, I really like the way he looks. Uh, he's got, I mean, he looks the same, but he's got like a bandana around his neck. He's got stickers and stuff like that, which is really cool. And uh, most of all, I like it when, you know, he first comes in, he's like, hello, bozos. And then he's like, it's Benjamin. It's so good to see you, 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 you. And then uh, it's, I just, I love his look. Uh, Benjamin's look when he sees it but what's really cool is Ali Sheedy doesn't make a cameo but she makes a voice cameo where uh, she um, Johnny Five reads a letter and it's in Ali Sheedy's voice just talking about how Johnny Five is here to help you and it was a nice touch Al, you know Ali Sheedy didn't have to do that I mean granted it might have only taken her like an hour of her time but uh, the fact that she did that means that she really, really enjoyed the first movie. And it was just cool to get the references to, uh, to Newton and to Stephanie without throwing them away like they never existed, which is pretty nice. And some sequels actually will do that. Now, when Johnny is, you know, walk, uh, 
you know, going around and he picks up a book and this is the first time Fred actually sees how fast he can read. I like when he's going halfway through the book and says, I think the chauffeur did it. And then a second later he goes, he did. And then he just throws the book. Kind of like he spoiled the book for whosoever book it really is. But it's just, it's just funny to see, you know, Fred will for the first time see him read like that and his amazement was just priceless the look on his face i really dug it so when they show the uh building of the miniature robots i like it when uh, johnny five gets done he goes is oh it's me isn't that special uh, i thought that was really really funny and i like how fast he can actually do it now what's funny is is when um johnny five is continuing to build the robots and of course he's watching tv and there's this real crazy guy on tv and uh he's at radio shack and he's saying how crazy and manic he is for selling all this stuff for a cheap price i like it when johnny five says that he's an interesting human and then uh when benjamin talks about how happy he is with the modifications that johnny's made to himself one thing that made me crack up hysterically was when johnny five talked about how he has 500 megabytes more of memory i'm just like Nowadays, that's like a joke because, you know, your phone has more memory than that. I mean, think about it. In computers, the average computer sells four gigs of memory. That's 4,000 megabytes because uh, 1,000 megabytes equals one gig. So most computers come with four gigs of memory, and he's getting a half a gig of memory upgraded since the last movie. Back then, it sounded like, I mean, back then it was a lot. Today, it's laughable. So that's really one scene where the movie definitely dates itself is with that particular throwaway line of how his memory is increased by 500 megabytes. But you know what? No big deal. I go with it. And for the average person that may not know anything about computers, they're never going to get that line. And... They would totally go with it and they'll think 500 mega, you know, me megabytes, wow, that's a lot. So no big deal really. Now when uh, Ben is late for his meeting to see Sandy and you know he's telling Fred not to let him go out into the city, I really like when Johnny Five is begging with Benjamin and he's like, Benjamin, I'll go with you. I'd love more input. And it's just the way his voice raises up and his body language was really funny and I really enjoyed it. So when Ben does go uh, meet Sandy, uh, she can't really remember his name. I like it when uh, he says, uh, my name is uh, B-E-N, uh, I call it Ben. It was just a real smart-ass comment from him, but he wasn't trying to be. It's just his one-liners really kicking into gear and being pretty awesome. So Mr. Rogers comes on TV. And, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers I always thought was kind of off. You know, I, I definitely always thought of him as, you know, he plays the quote-unquote uh, nice guy next door. But I always picture Mr. Rogers as being some guy that would just snap one day and went outside and shot people. You know, it's just the way that he just looked like a guy who was stuck in a shell and was just ready to explode. Now, I, I know that never happened. And, you know, for all you Mr. Rogers fans out there, hey, I love the guy. I used to watch him all the time as well. Every flipping day or, or week, whatever it was, I can't even remember. Seeing Mr. Rogers definitely brought back good times. I'm just saying that was always the persona in the back of my mind. I thought of, man, I think this guy is going to snap one day. And of course, I'm a kid, so you don't really think like that. But I just always thought he was a little bit off. And uh, so it, it was good times seeing Mr. Rogers on TV because, you know, he's kind of long forgotten. I always thought it was funny when he changes his shoes and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was good times. So um, 
of course, what I really like during the Mr. Rogers scene is uh, you hear Fred burp and Johnny Five rolls his eyes and says, Geesh. And uh, Fred wants Johnny Five to do things for him. And Johnny Five's like, Sure, I wouldn't want you to strain yourself, iron your clothes, and, and do your food and stuff like that. Good stuff. So when he finds out he's actually in the city and he says it's time for sightseeing, I kind of like how he just throws Fred into the garbage can. He's just like, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. I'm trying to be helpful to you. You're being a jerk. So you know what? Screw you. And I really like that because it's really showing you that Johnny Five has more personality than uh, than even before. And it shows you that Johnny Five is definitely growing uh, as a character because Johnny Five is getting more of an attitude, but it's in a good way. He's not being disrespectful. He's just being frustrated, which just shows you he's getting even more human qualities, which is pretty awesome. Now, when Johnny Five goes through uh, the city, I like some of the things he says when he sees a girl on roller skates, calls her a mobile human. He uh, sees a, a water, you know, like a fountain and says it's outdoor plumbing. I thought that was really funny. Now, one of the best parts is when there's this guy doing cards and he gets mad and he's like, out of my face, out of my face. The way he, that guy said that was so hilarious, which, of course, leads into the Los Locos scene, which, you know, um, I'm from Chicago. I'm definitely used to gang bangers. You know, I lived on the south side of Chicago. It was pretty crazy. Uh, I definitely was in a hood. I wasn't in like the hood where it was like you walk outside and you get shot. But it was pretty dangerous. I mean, you had to really be careful the colors that you wore, what you said. You know, if you went to go play basketball, you definitely didn't want to piss off the wrong person. So I'm very familiar with gang and gang activity and tagging. So I'm not stupid and naive. I mean, that's one thing that I can definitely say I had a lot of knowledge on. Thank God I never joined a gang, but I had friends who did. And unfortunately, their life either ended early or they got beat out of a gang. It was pretty bad. So I know the Los Locos is pretty serious. It's not a joking matter. But I can't help it. This scene definitely makes... Uh, it very lighthearted, and I like that because of the fact of you are trying to appeal to a family. You don't want to make it very, uh, you know, scared for the kids. So I do like the lightheartedness taken to this, even though they say "los locos kick your ass," "los locos kick your face," "los locos kick your balls into outer space." You know, I used to say that crap as a kid. I got busted once and I got in trouble. You know. Uh, it, it wasn't a good time. So, I mean, granted, for a family film, though, the guy saying that was a bad thing. That was probably the worst thing that they did. But I, I really like how they're toned down. And uh, what's really funny about this scene is, um, is the third guy, the guy that jumps down and says, Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. He looks at the camera when he says that, which is flipping hysterical. Now, here's the thing that I flipping love. And it's the uh, the guy that, uh, you know, when Johnny Five, uh, when they're trying to talk about stealing the radios, the third guy, the guy that comes out of the car and says, you know, we're the Department of Stereo uh, and Car Repairs. His name is Robert Lazardo. I love this guy. He's full of tattoos. He's in a lot of movies. He usually plays a gang member, uh, but he was in, like, Death Race. And most recently, he was on CSI Miami. Uh, he was the guy that actually killed David Caruso's wife, and uh, he's in prison, and they 
they used him a lot to get to the the hardcore gang members of Miami. And, uh, and man, he is flipping excellent on that show. I love this actor. He's awesome. Pretty much 90% of his body is covered in tattoos. It was really enjoyable to see him in this film. And uh, and it was good times. And actually, he wasn't a gang in real life, but then he went to uh, the Navy for four years. Uh, which was pretty cool. So he he definitely knew his life was going down the wrong way, and he made a turn in his life, and uh, and it paid off. So I really love this actor. He is awesome and good times. And this whole scene with the Los Locos is absolutely hilarious, and and I love it. And the best part is when Johnny Five comes back to meet Fred and Ben, and then he does the Los Locos, you know, Los Locos kick your ass, blah 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 blah. And uh, Ben gets mad and says, you know, if you were a robot, I wash your mouth. That was so. I thought it was great, hilarious, priceless scene. And probably my favorite is uh, when the main guy, he's real scared and like it's a droid. And he goes, Nah, man, it, it's a, it's a Mitsubishi. And uh, that just cracked me up when I heard it's a Mitsubishi because I always wanted to flip a Mitsubishi car, a Mitsubishi Eclipse. I flip and love that car. I was totally in the street racing and stuff like that. Not for real. But like in video games and stuff. And that was always my car. The Mitsubishi Eclipse. So when I heard that, I just started cracking up, man. I thought it was good times. So, um, like I said, I love his colors that he had. Thank God they were washable. At least we think that they were washable. Um, What I really like, though, uh, in the following scenes, Johnny is starting to get depressed. This is kind of the beginning of the movie where he's realizing people don't accept him. And he's writing a letter to Stephanie and I like how he says I think people need more fiber in their diet PS included is something called a chili dog which was flippin' hilarious and I like when they are attacking Johnny Five the bad guys and Johnny Five's eyes get all red and he goes bad human good times and then when he takes the bad guys out throws them outside and says to the moon Alice really good Um, I like it when um you know, Fred finds out that Johnny Five is worth eleven million bucks, and he just can't resist the fact of he's got to try to sell Johnny Five, and uh, and I like that because it's you know again, we're we've only seen this character for a little bit, but it's it's establishing the fact of the kind of guy that this person really is, how he's going to be disloyal to his partner, and just sell him even though he was under strict orders to not sell him because he doesn't appreciate Johnny Five for who he really is and by the end of the movie he does and uh, that whole character development I find to be very satisfying and uh, and it's really really excellent so uh, what I like is uh, is Oscar you know meeting Johnny and uh, and just you think Oscar's such this great guy. He's so nice. He's so kind and so caring. And then when you find out that he's working with the with the bank robbers, you're like, holy crap, where did that come from? You know, just saying you had never seen the film before. So at that point, it's like, man, Johnny, it, it sucks, buddy, that you know, you're going to be dealing with, uh, with this guy, which, of course, when we get to the ending, I'll talk about. Uh, one other scene, scene that I like is before Fred wants to go sell Johnny Five, he takes Ben out for lunch to kind of get Ben away from Johnny Five. And I like the, the lunchroom scene where he tells the one guy down the line where he's like, hey, he paid yesterday, uh, that guy down there. I always love that stuff. It happens in Dumb and Dumber. Uh, you know, the throwing the salt over their shoulder and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
he's paying for and all they got to do is raise their arm and then the waitress or waitress uh the waiter or waitress are like oh yeah okay they raised the arm so you're right they definitely are going to pick up the bill which i find hysterical now one of the best scenes is the bookstore scene now the reason why this scene is so good is for a couple different reasons number one it pays off uh, this scene establishes different things that are going to happen throughout the film for example um it leads into the end you know when johnny is going to need to use the suit the maps to the sewers to cut off the bad guys and then of course there's the uh the love talk between ben and sandy which is really cool and then of course it sets up the real funny stuff where he's going through all the books and of course it sets up where he gets the he tells fred that oh you know i gotta read these two books very carefully because my daughter you know both my daughters are watching this film and they said why didn't he read that book very fast and i said you'll find out later but it's because he wants to study the books and not miss anything but I think my favorite line in the whole film is the cops show up and uh, Fred is trying to get Johnny Five to leave the bookstore and what he says to him is says you see those guys over there and Johnny Five's like yeah they want to take your books away and he goes <gasps> and man I was laughing hysterically and uh, so was my kids and you know right before that he calls the the store clerk a craphead because he was asking Fred why do people call me a craphead he goes oh that's and then Fred tries to tell him that it's a compliment so when Johnny Five says it to her it's absolutely hilarious but just Johnny Five's reaction when he goes <gasps> and he, he puts his head up and then back like he's in utter shock was absolutely brilliant scene and I love it it's hysterical and then after that, uh, which I think they stole the books. They don't actually tell you what happens after that, but he puts the book uh, in where his laser used to be. So I think they actually stole the books. But again, it's kind of a gray area. They don't tell you. Uh, Johnny Five mentions how he can read the whole bookstore in 35 minutes. I thought that was pretty cool. You actually get uh, a knowledge, a little more insight to Johnny Five of knowing how fast and uh, more capabilities that Johnny Five can do. And knowing the fact that he can read a whole entire bookstore in 35 minutes is pretty flippin' sweet. And uh, I can only imagine being able to do that. Wouldn't that be flippin' awesome? I mean, you could totally ace tests like crazy just by grabbing a book and killing in like five seconds flipping awesome and i like uh there's kind of a running gag with the silk shirt when uh, he's like watch the shirt watch the shirt and he's talking about how it's uh you know it's silk you know it's very very important so um again that's that's uh, gonna come into play later on in the film so when fred goes to sell johnny five i like the fact that they reference the first film where they talk about how the nova robots were all destroyed and uh, they kind of give a small background to what happened to the project itself. So when they see Johnny Five, they're very surprised. I like the fact that they did just a just a one minute throwaway scene to kind of give you, the you know, to kind of build the bridge of part one and two to make it a very solid series, which is pretty awesome because there's some sequels that really don't care what happened in the first movie, and the ones that do are the ones that are successful. For example, Lethal Weapon Two works very well because it plays off of the first the first movie very very well same thing with this movie it plays off the first movie like beverly hills cop 2 plays off the first movie good stuff but movies that don't play off the first movie you know uh batman returns for example does not play off the first movie uh so it that movie ended up being very bad and so on and so forth so you kind of get the idea where i'm going with this here so other cool things that i like is uh well i should say this is kind of the one scene that was pretty bad 
And uh, that's the scene when Johnny Five falls out of the glass. And it's not that scene that's bad, but it's when he's falling, you know, upside down. And he talks about how he's got to, you know, he's got to flip around and, and take off. Well, when the kind of the gliding, the the wings, the glide wings come out of, uh, of where his laser used to be. And when he flips around, that's what looks bad. It looks like a very bad green screen. It looks real grainy there, but you know what? I'll give that film. I'll give it to the film just because of of its age. But I think it could have worked just a little bit better. But you know, no big deal. So um, I really like the tongue tie talking to Sandy. You know, shows you a different side of Ben, which of course we didn't spend a whole lot of time with Ben in the first one. He had a lot of good, funny one-liners. In this film, he's very sensitive and he's just very infatuated with Sandy. And uh, I really like when he talks to her because, you know, when you're really into uh, somebody from the opposite sex, you know, it's just, you just, your mind goes crazy and you just don't know what to say. And uh, he does a very good job of uh of definitely coming across how much he's infatuated with her by all of his um tongue ties that he has in in all the conversations so it's good stuff now um Johnny being depressed uh you know cuz everybody starts to stare at him and uh the church scene is very sad you know when he tries to go in and finds out about the soul uh but then he's like well I don't have a soul and that's when you know the priest finds out that it's just a machine and kicks him out of church. So at this point, he's feeling very, very depressed. And then, of course, the cops come show up, and Johnny has a really funny line about, uh, "Will you? Are you booking me, Dano? You, you know, I'm underage, and and things like that." Uh, when he's in the police station, I really like when he's like, "Read my light, read my lip lights. I'm not stolen goods." And you could just see the power that Johnny Five has. He just throws these two cops across the desk because they're attached to him handcuffed. And then, of course, when Ben shows up to uh, to kind of release Johnny Five, he just breaks apart the chains with no problem. And he just, he's moving very slowly. And then Ben sees he's reading Pinocchio and, and uh, Frankenstein. And uh, then we get an excellent scene where the two of them just have a heart-to-heart. How he's like, you know, people don't believe that you're alive. And that's why they treat you like this. And Sandy doesn't believe, doesn't know that I'm alive. And, you know, Johnny Five's like, look, you're my friend. I want to help you out. I read so much of the of love in the bookstore. And, uh, and this this next scene, I love it. And it's the scene where Ben is trying to... Uh, have a heart-to-heart with Sandy and Johnny Five is using a billboard to talk to him and uh, a whole bunch of crap goes wrong during this scene. Johnny Five actually pulls a kit. Uh, He uses his uh, quote-unquote remote control to stop a bus, kind of like Kit will use uh, his braking system on other vehicles to stop them because Sandy is on the bus. And uh, and it's really good because his words get jumbled up because, uh, you know, Johnny sometimes doesn't know what to say or there's distractions with, like, this cat jumping on his head and he tells the cat to get off Garfield, you know, and... uh, and there's one point where he actually talks Spanish to Sandy 
And uh, Johnny Five's like, no, no, no. And what's funny is, is my daughter. You know, my daughter, she goes to what's called a magnet school. It's not, it's not a private school because uh, it, it's, it's a public school. You don't have to pay to, uh, tuition to go there, but you definitely have to take tests and stuff to kind of make it. You know, it's kind of like the. The difference between public school and private school, it's like in between there. There's only a, a couple hundred of them in the United States. And uh, Spanish is what she learns. Because magnet school is essentially in one subject will teach you social studies, math, reading, all that stuff in just one subject. So she has been learning Spanish and she's nine years old. And during this scene that John, when he says Spanish to Sandy, my daughter knew exactly what he said and I had no idea. And I thought it was funny and priceless. Now, my favorite face of, of Ben happens in this, and this is um, before they get talking, uh, when she gets off the bus, and he says, uh, if it's okay with your mom and pop, would you like to go to the malt shop? And Sandy says, sure. And then Ben goes, oh, like that, like real scared, like I can't believe you just said yeah. And the way his face looks is absolutely priceless. I love it. It's hysterical. And probably most people's favorite would be when the popcorn guy is in the way with the balloons and Johnny on the billboard says, hey, you with the balloons, uh, you in the popcorn machine, yeah, you with the balloons, move it. And the guy and the guy moves. And then, of course, uh, Ben tells her everything that's been going on. He's too scared to talk to her, and he's had Johnny Five do the talking. That's when uh, the character of Sandy essentially changes, and she becomes like the love interest of Ben. And really excellent scenes of music together, and they're just having a good time. And Ben messes up a couple one-liners here and there, but you see the fun side of Sandy that you didn't see before. She's all about business, 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 and now it's like she's interested in Ben just as much as he's interested in her. And uh, and I really enjoy how within just a couple of minutes her character totally changed, and it was for the better. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, and it's the cab scene is when Sandy first sees him because they try to get a cab and Johnny Five pulls out of the way and she freaks out and uh, he uses his big magnet which he'll use later in the film another payoff scene to pull the cab uh, back to take um, Ben and Sandy wherever they want to go and I love Johnny Five when he tells the cab person thank you for stopping in like this really funny voice. So we get kind of the beginning of the climax scene where uh, Ben comes back to uh, to their house and he's got a real funny um, – he's smoking a cigarette. He goes, we talked, we danced, we drank champagne and uh, that's when um, the guys show up to kidnap Ben and uh and fred and oscar shows up and uh you know he tries to convince johnny that hey we need to build uh, a safe for for your friends and then he's like frederick is not my friend he goes well i never really liked him either but ben is our friend and that's how he convinces johnny five you know he manipulates him basically because johnny five he's not been around long enough so he's easily uh manipulated so unfortunately, uh, Oscar is able to manipulate Johnny Five into breaking into the uh, into the bank. So now, where Fred's character changes is during the freezer scene, 
when he talks about how um, you know he borrowed money from a loan he borrowed money from a shark and Ben's like uh, well that's your first problem you borrow money from a fist instead of fish he says fist but he explains what a loan shark does and Ben is just kind of like so you're willing to risk one of your popular body parts to help me and that's kind of when their relationship changes for the better because he realizes that you know what you did you know you're willing to risk your life to help me out and uh, they both work together and that's when he tells uh, the truth about Johnny Five that he's alive and they both work together to get out of the freezer and then we get some very interesting scene okay so they're in the freezer and uh, they come up with this crazy idea to use the calculator of uh, Ben to do Morse code and uh, of course uh, Ben uses his phone line because they essentially know where they're at because they opened the crate and found the address but they're like how are we going to tell anybody and they figured hey we could hook up this calculator I can do Morse code and uh, call 911 but neither one of them actually know Morse code so uh, Ben hits his, uh, his calculator and it starts to do the song Help Me Rhonda Help Help Me Rhonda which uh, you know you got to give the film this because I'm not sure how it was programmed in. They don't talk about it, but he's able to, by pressing the buttons, it creates tones, which they get this crazy idea because of the fact of she loves music. They could use a song. They could use different songs to tell the location of where they're actually located at. So really good stuff. Um, what I really like is uh, Ben um, calls uh, Sandy and actually knows her voice, uh, her message on her on her. Um, answer machine and knows it very well and then he knows when the beep starts so she, he starts to play all the different songs like Help Me Rhonda, uh, you know, Down on Broadway, uh, Dock of the Bay, uh, things like that. So essentially uh, we get a really cool scene of her uh, and this cab driver who's really cool and knows his music and they find the location where Ben is and she gets she gets in her nick of time and uh, rescues Ben and uh, Fred. So they go back to the place and now the cops show up. Uh, they actually just told Fred to go outside, uh, you know, look for Johnny Five. And uh, as the cops are coming up the stairs, um, they arrest Sandy and Ben. And, of course, Fred at this point takes off to look for Johnny Five. And uh, now we got to talk about... We got to talk about the the horrible scene that is about to occur and uh, I call this I call this never ending story treatment and here's the thing uh, I'm 32 years old and I'm still scared to death of the flipping flipping wolf dog whatever the hell you want to call a never ending story every time I see that thing I think it's going to jump out of TV it's scarier than any werewolf I've ever seen on the face of the planet I flipping hate that thing it scares the living hell out of me ever since I saw it as a kid and it's the same thing with this movie saw this movie as a kid and when Johnny Five is uh you know is being destroyed um it's it's like armageddon man i always say i'm never gonna cry but on the same stupid scene i always do because johnny five after realizing he's been manipulated finding out that uh oscar is really a bad guy oscar and and the other two henchmen go after johnny five and uh knowing that he's a witness they're going to go destroy him and uh, and the scene is really horrible. I'll tell you. You know, my uh, my three year old uh, saw the scene. She started freaking out. She's like, "No, no, kill number five. And then uh, my nine year old definitely started to tear up during that scene. I mean, they they flip and hit him with an axe. They poke his eye out. They hit him right in the chest, and he starts to 
it's like his blood, you know, his battery acid. It's so horrible. The music they play, it's still, it's just, if it affected you as a kid, it's going to affect you as an adult. And when I was reading on YouTube all the comments for this particular scene, everybody says the same thing, that this used to haunt their childhood, uh, this particular scene, and it still affects them to this day. So I call it the never-ending never story syndrome, that when you're affected terribly from a scene as a kid, it affects you as an adult, and it still does today. And uh, that scene is absolutely horrible. You know, during that scene, there's actually like a, a radio control airplane show going on. And that's how Johnny Five is actually able to escape because he remote controls one of those planes to intercept and attack the bad guys. And, uh, and it's just brutal. So, you know, Fred's looking for Johnny Five. And this is the point where his character changes because he comes in contact with Johnny Five, sees how bad he is. And Johnny Five actually writes on a wall because he can't talk that he's dying and uh, he asks Fred to fix them and so he's like how am I going to do that and they break into Radio Shack and uh, and this scene is really really good because of the fact of now Fred is showing compassion uh, other than himself and uh, you know he actually rips his silk shirt uh, and, and uses it a, as a bandage to him because when he actually fixes his voice Johnny Five his voice is very weak but it's very funny he actually reverses everything he says like hello Zobo hello Zobo instead of you know um, bozo and then instead of calling him fred he calls him derf uh, he says fred backwards which is really really funny um and he you know when he puts his uh, silk shirt on him to cover his wound he says not your sick shirt sick shirt sick shirt so he, he actually repeats everything um so during this this whole scene is excellent uh when he's trying to fix them and he's telling them to hurry up and he actually says jesus you know in vain and uh and then johnny five finishes off classically by saying christ live from and tells how many years he was on earth it was flipping priceless scene i loved it and so uh johnny five you know he essentially starts to uh he gets to a point where fred's fixed him up enough where you know he tells him his backup battery is dead but he starts to kind of rebuild himself and uh, when he finds out that uh, well before he takes off you know Fred tries to tell him how you know you can't trust anybody and Johnny Five has a really cool line where he says I trust you now and uh, if their relationship is really building here which is pretty cool and then when he finds out that they were just in a freezer and he goes sure kidnap the humans destroy the machine and uh you know fred's trying to convince him he's not in top shape and he goes i just have a few bugs bunnies uh to work out and he goes you know life forms gotta do what a life forms gotta do and uh and of course he's he's all jacked up but he's just ready and determined to get oscar so when fred jumps on the back of him I love this line. He goes, it's a piece of card, a can of cake, suck dupe. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean, but it's flipping funny. So as soon as they leave, uh, Ben and Sandy show up in the cop's car because, you know, they're out looking for Johnny Five and they go to the place. And of course, they have the radio, sh the radio shack guy, which they call the manic. And this scene is actually, you would think it would be funny, but because of the way he delivers the line, uh, it's actually very serious because he goes mr manic you're not knowing your fluids uh it is battery fluid he is bleeding to death and because he calls him mr manic you you would think you would laugh but he fisher stevens does that line so good that you're just like it's pretty serious and you know johnny five only has like 20 minutes before he's essentially gonna die
and uh, he's able to track Oscar and the bad guys by using um, he can see the tire tracks of the vehicle and he has this real funny line where he says don't worry my cousin was a Harley Davidson I flipped and cracked up on that scene it was so hysterical uh, now it's pure coincidence that Johnny Five is under their vehicle because of course you know from the bookstore he uses the sewers uh, to um, you know he's got maps of the sewers to cut them off because they get to like a, a construction site and they got to turn and as Johnny Five picks up a manhole from the sewer the car just happens to be above it so it's just pure coincidence but at this point in the game you have to give the movie that and and go along with it and it's real funny when Fred's like what are you doing he's like I'm pumping iron so uh, he sees Oscar and the guys because they essentially you know take off and, and they have this car wreck and they turn over and Johnny's like here's Johnny and uh, they and this one bad guy starts to say all right jerk off I'm gonna I'm going to mess you up. And, and he goes, oh, yeah, you schmuck. And he starts doing all these funny voices like, come on, make my day. And uh, really funny, the stuff. And, and I use some of that stuff in, uh, you know, during the song, uh, you know, holding out for a hero, which, I mean, that's this song is going to come into play in just a couple seconds here. But uh, I love it when Johnny's like, oh, I'm so, uh, you know, I'm really scared, you know, for sure. He does like the the valley girl voice which was absolutely hilarious and then he tries to be nice to the to the guy that's really smart he's like can you put your hands down please thank you you know and then he like uses the fence to tie him up real funny stuff so of course we get uh oscar takes off goes in a boat and then we get this we get the, our favorite song you know I, I never will look at this song the same when i hear it i think of this scene and it's holding out for a hero it's flipping awesome and of course you know johnny five screaming no oscar no and, and this clock is counting down and the best thing is is he gets on top of a crane he goes oscar you will not get away. I am really pissed off. And it's the first time you hear Johnny Five ever get angry in his whole entire life. And, and it's flipping hilarious. I just love this scene. And then he uh, he goes across. and you know He, go, he uses the, the crane to get across the boat to catch him. He uses the Tarzan voice that he had heard earlier in the film. And then uh, Oscar's like, what are you, a punishment from God? And then, of course, Johnny Five with only like... 10 seconds left, you know, Ben's over, you know, Ben finally catches up to him and asks to use the defibrillator, you know, try to get it charged up, and Johnny Five dies right in front of him. So he, uh, you know, he starts to charge him up, and then we get, uh, uh, it takes him a little bit, and then electricity starts to go on his face, and it's it's kind of like, you can kind of look at it two different ways. Is it like supernatural electricity that got him going again, or is it just uh, be because you know it's electricity going into your body is it just you know kind of like aftershocks but either way it's used he comes back to life and then uh, we get the awesome ending where he gets the respect and the love he deserves and uh, the, everybody's successful they have their own company called Input Incorporated um, and then Ben and Johnny Fiverr both um, become American citizens and uh, and the movie flipping ends and uh, and it's awesome so uh, and then Fred I love it he's shining up uh, Johnny Five real nice and stuff so excellent movie excellent movie so here we go um, rating wise okay so I gave the first movie a four now I already told you that I love this movie more than the first one here's what we're gonna do with this film I would definitely say that this movie is a very very strong four and a half week five uh, I mean 
the movie, I mean, for me, in order for me to give a movie a perfect score of five, it has to have heart, a lot of heart. Like for me, The Karate Kid, even though I've seen it, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times and I know where every little air is in the movie, I know where the fog machine is, I know when the Band-Aid isn't there, when the bruises are. I mean, I know all that stuff, all the little trivia and all the movie mistakes, but you know what? Sometimes movie mistakes are what help makes the movie. And there's no, I don't think there's any movie on the face of the planet that doesn't have at least one little tiny air or glitch somewhere. But you know what? A movie for me is, it's got to have a lot of heart. And you know, that's how I first base the movie off of is how much heart does it have? And this movie has a crap load of heart. I love it. It's so emotionally um, draining and so entertaining. And uh, I mean, I could give it a five. I would definitely give it a strong four and a half, um, but a weak five. I mean, I almost would just... But at the same time, that tomorrow I could wake up and say I give Short Circuit two five stars because for me, it's got um, it's got awesome characters. I love Ben. Um, I I just I love everybody. Everybody works great. Johnny Five is so much better in this film. His look, the story is better. It's just so much fun. It's so depressing. It's really emotionally draining. I really love the whole music and the rescue scene. Most of all, him being destroyed and almost dying and and trying to it's just so so emotionally I'm so emotionally invested in this film it's so you know I'm I'm emotionally invested about a robot I mean that's just when it can do that that just tells you how good the film is so I would definitely give a strong four and a half at week five and and I could easily just say hands down it's a five star tomorrow just because it has so much heart and heart is the biggest thing for me for me to give a perfect score is how much heart does it have and how emotionally invested in am I in it did I find any errors or mistakes and all that other good stuff um, that all comes into play which eventually all that other stuff weighs down the rating but for me that's what I got for this one. So um, let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. So um, I did actually have one email that I um, forgot to read on the show, and it comes from uh, Cheerful Charlie, and uh, this is in regards to Ford Fairlane. He said, uh, Masunis, you are the man, explanation point. He says, I absolutely love the Guilty Pleasures series. Maybe you might want to bring Andrew in on it. Uh, that would be fun for both of you to do. Not a big fan of Andrew Dice Clay, at least Ford Fairlane. His crude humor was toned down. Anyways, take it easy, my friend. Which, you know, I had said, in um, during that series that the whole purpose of me doing it was when Andrew wasn't around and stuff like that but you know I totally get what uh, you know what he was trying to say there um, you know just kind of get his opinion and all that other fun stuff but overall I, I had super fun on the episode so cheerful Charlie writes in again and this one's on uh, on the double feature that I just did and he says Masunis, dude you you reviewed both a movie I love and hate in in this one Beverly Hills Cop 3 honestly was not my favorite out of the Beverly Hills Cop series but Judge Reinhold and Eddie Murphy gave it their best shot Short Circuit Rocks I need to find this movie I think it's out on uh, Blu-ray or DVD which it's out on both in fact um, originally um, the 
there was like a re-release of the DVD in 2007. It had like a making of featurette. And then in 2010, they released the movie again with like an alternate cover. And then the Blu-ray disc was also released in early 2011. But there's no extras on that uh, on that one if I if I remember correctly. He goes on to say, it's a great movie. You were right on, on this one with the review. And looking so forward to the Short Circuit 2 review, it's going to rock. Uh, one movie or two I would love for you to review is either Batman Beyond Return of the Joker and the original 1986 uh animated Transformers movie I own both of those and they rock for an, uh, animated movies which uh, you know I told him to add them on the list I would definitely do uh, that you know I've already done Turtles Forever so cartoons are definitely not out of the reach for me I'm definitely interested in seeing Transformers just because I never actually seen it so it would be interesting to see um you know to check that on out and then the, the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker I've never seen that but I did hear that uh you know, Batman Arkham City used part of that storyline in the game. So, and I love that storyline in, in Batman Arkham City. So, I would definitely want to check it out. So, uh, our next email comes from uh, Anthony, the epic emailer. He says, Hello there, Masunis. You requested more emails for this movie. So, just living up to the nickname of the epic emailer. I went ahead and sent you this one. Before giving my thoughts about the movie, I wanted to say that while it's unfortunate that Andrew won't be a part of all the STL episodes, at least he's going to be on for some uh, here and there. Which, yeah, this is true. You know, we. Uh, I got to talking to him uh, earlier this week, you know, and he really explained, you know, the intention was, you know, when we got together, he didn't have the job. So we were able to get together and, uh, you know, we have essentially had everything planned out. And then, of course, shortly after it was announced that he was officially going to be on for every episode, that's when the new job came in. And, you know, life happens and you just got to kind of go with it. And then, uh, you know, I know that the podcast is always better when you have somebody else, but you guys are so used to having me as solo. I didn't really think it's a big deal that it's just me and Andrew's not there, but I know when Andrew is on, it, it is always more interactive and more fun. That way, I definitely don't deny that, but uh, but I hear you, sir. It'll be good maybe about another month and a half or two months or so. Uh, he can be on more full-time when things even out. So he said, now on to the movie, Short Circuit 2, I believe is one of those sequels that was a good follow-up from what was a great predecessor while we don't have steve gutenberg and ali sheedy returning we had fisher stevens stevens returning and doing a tremendous job michael mckean and cynthia gibb were nice additions as they added a different mix uh out of those two i prefer mckean's character or fred uh as his as he developed a bit more he started out as a greedy person who cared mostly who cared mostly for himself and then uh, and then cared for his friends. Uh, I can't forget about Johnny Five. Much like the first movie, he was entertaining, although there were parts here and there when they did go over the top with the comedy and uh, what they did with uh, what they had him do. Got to say, though, when he did this scene with uh, when the bad guy started to smash Johnny Five and how damaged he looked afterwards was hard to see. The ending was simple and nothing epic, but I had... But I have to ask something. When Johnny was restored and gold-plated, weren't they worried that somebody might uh, try to strip the Johnny down for the gold? Just a random question that came to me. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I get where you're going with this, but, I mean, Johnny Five is definitely 
hands down, he's proven in both movies that he's stronger than a human being. You know, I mean, he's he's flipped the dude over his shoulder with just one arm. He's taken two. He took the two guys out with just both of his arms. So I'm not. I'm sure if. If that was to come into play, Johnny Five could totally protect himself. Laser or no laser, he could definitely protect himself. The only reason why he got his ass beat at the end, you know, he was sucker punched. He got an axe to the back, he hit the ground, and then they just started wailing on him. So, I mean, otherwise, Johnny Five could totally take care of himself. And I finish this off for a rating. I would give it a 3.5 out of 5. Great follow-up movie, but fails a bit short from the original. That's all from me. Until your next episode, see ya. Anthony Epic Emailer. So thank you, sir. Always great to hear from you, sir. Uh, and then our next email comes from John the Mailman. He says, hello, Mike. Short Circuit 2 is still hot. Uh, I laughed and I cried. I told myself I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I did, but I'll get there later. I gave the first one 4.5, and, a half and uh, I like part 2 more so it's a 5 for me. Is it a 5 star movie? No, but I'll give it a 5, even with its problems. I smiled the whole movie. I laughed and I cried. Not many movies can do that for me. Fisher Stevens does a great job. I'm happy that they got him to play a bigger part. He's so funny. McKean was, uh, as Fred was great. Uh, Weston as Oscar also did a a great, uh, you know, great job as a bad guy. Um, And I had so much hate for him. Gib as Sandy was good. Not better than Ali Sheedy, but she was good. I'm happy the Lone Shark and the Toy Building didn't turn into the main story, which I agree with you totally, sir. I think it would have just been an okay movie if they had done so. The part where the bad guys try to kill Johnny Five had to be the saddest part ever. I still cry every time I see it, and the music they use when Fred is trying to find him gets me every time. Uh, I also love the I Need a Hero song from... um, forgetting oscar some of my favorite parts the los locos part i like the intro when we follow the little johnny five when he gets arrested when fred tries to sell him when sandy has to follow the music so so much good um so many great one-liners and quotes too uh he's up there with schwarzenegger laugh out loud uh that's enough for now can't wait for the show thanks for your time and have a great show john the mailman consider this email delivered well thank you sir always a pleasure always super fun to hear from you uh it's funny today on facebook uh me and him were were doing um like we would only respond to the post in uh, one-liners from the film. I think we got to like 57 posts before we eventually just off the top of our head forgot one-liners from the film. So totally fun to do that. Uh, and the uh, the last email comes from uh, John the Music Man. He said, Hello, sir. Let's talk some Short Circuit 2. Well, I will admit I like number one better, but I did really enjoy part two. Ben was great in this film, and I like how he kept missing, uh, messing the quote things, uh, messing quotes up. Uh, the scene when he had dinner and Johnny Five was when Johnny Five was helping him was hilarious but the best part end quote and I did have to look it up to get the exact way it was was locals kick los locals kick your ass kick your fate you know you get the whole thing I said a couple times until next time John the music man so thank you sir so much uh, for writing in thank you guys all you guys that wrote in uh, always great to hear from if you definitely want to write in uh, or if you're not a part of the STL Nation yet feel free to write in to sweep the podcast at yahoo.com uh, I would definitely love to hear from you and uh, and it's going to be a good time so that's what I got for emails let's get into the music spotlight here comes the ready and now Here comes the boom, ready and I. How you like me now, I say boom. Here comes the boom, ready and I. 
All right, music spotlight time. I have to admit, guys, I am flipping scared to talk about this music spotlight. You know, normally um, I have a song that uh, that I'm gonna, that I stick with. It just stays in my mind, and I'm all good to go. But I have a feeling that this particular one is gonna offend people. But uh, let me just apologize first before I offend anybody. But hear me out on this one, okay? Um, you guys know I love rock and roll, but here's something you may not know. Um, I am a die-hard pop fan. Uh, yes, it's true. Um, I It's no secret I flip and love the Backstreet Boys, okay? Now, uh, I liked pop music before it ever was. It wasn't cool, and guys can't listen to it, and uh, only chicks can listen to it to it you know I've been married over 10 years I got two kids I'm definitely secure in myself and I'm an advocate for Backstreet Boys now uh, hands down uh, one of the greatest pop songs ever is I Want It That Way you know in my opinion the greatest pop songs are probably Straight Up by Paul Abdul Britney Spears Hit Me Baby One More Time and then Backstreet Boys I Want It That Way now you're probably saying you're going to play I Want It That Way no I'm actually going to play a song that uh most people that hate the Backstreet Boys actually love this song because of the beat, the way the chorus is sang, uh, but the message behind it is pretty crazy. Um, and I just, I just something tells me to play this song because maybe it might reach out to somebody out there going through a hard time or whatever. Here's the thing: this is a song that they. They've never sang about this before. This is the one and only song about this subject. Uh, and it's essentially about cheating. Now, I have, uh, you know, I've been cheated on, but I've never done any cheating. Now, you know, my wife, you know, she's my soulmate. Uh, she's my best friend. Uh, I can never imagine doing anything, but I've had friends that have uh, cheated on somebody. And uh, here's the thing. Cheating is like murder. You're never going to get away with it. You're going to get busted at some point or the other you may think you're having a good time or you may think it's fun but eventually it's going to come back and bite you and that's what this song is about it's about a guy that uh you know called his girlfriend up to say that uh, he wasn't coming home that uh you know his battery is dying essentially because he just met this girl and now he regrets his decision so it's the only time that backstreet boys have ever sang about cheating they always sing about love and uh but they've never sang about cheating and this song actually was huge especially in dance clubs and stuff and it's called The Call. Now, uh, this song is just basically to to tell you that you're never going to get away with cheating so if you're thinking about doing it, don't do it and if you've already done it, hopefully you can make amends with your significant other and uh, and hopefully things will work out. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's the thing. I I was like, I don't know if I want to play this song. I think I'm going to piss a lot of people off and uh, hopefully you still dig me. Uh, I promise you I will not be playing a crap load of Backstreet Boys anymore but you have to at least hear this song because you feel wrong jam into this song because it's about cheating but it's it has a really good message behind it that it was such a mistake but uh it's flipping killer killer tune and i can see why it was so gigantic in the clubs and the music video is completely weird though so that's my music spotlight for this week so um hopefully you dig it uh again i promise that i will uh 
This is the first time I ever played Backstreet Boys, and uh, if I play any more, I promise it would be something that you know would be like I want it that way, and that be it. You know, again, I don't do a lot of pop music on this show because not a lot of people dig it. You know, I was never an NSYNC fan. You know, I definitely like Bye Bye Bye. That song's cool. And Justin Timberlake definitely broke out and did the hip hop thing and and did a movie. So Justin Timberlake's cool, but I was never an NSYNC fan. I was always a Backstreet Boys fan because, you know, they 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 write all their own, they do they actually write their music. Uh, they're still together. They've already they've released two albums, and they just recently got together with New Kids on the Block to do a really big, humongous pop thing and and stuff. So, so that's what I got, guys, for the music spotlight. Hopefully, you dig it and you don't hate me too much. And uh, if you want to write in the show, it's sweepdelaypodcastyahoo.com. You can follow me uh, and Andrew the show on Twitter, STL Podcast. You can get the Twitter link on the Facebook page. And um, when I come back, it won't be next week, but when I come back, I'll have the new mic. I'm pretty flipping excited for it. And uh, then we'll talk the Kung Fu Kid, the Karate Kid remake, and uh, and I'll be trashing that movie like crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I promise I will be as open-minded as possible on that movie. And, uh, and that's what I got, guys. So thank you so much for sticking with me. You guys are the greatest fans. So, uh, so this is your host signing off. Missing this out. Hello. Hi, it's me. What's up, baby? I'm sorry. Listen, I'm gonna be late tonight, so don't stay up and wait for me, okay? Where are Standing in front of me, I said, 